We're going to jump right into our study this afternoon. Uh, I've been going chapter by chapter through Galatians my last several several go-arounds, and today we are going to study Galatians chapter 5. We'll do some recapping to catch you up on, on what's happened so far on, in Paul's letter here to the, to the church at Galatia. If you are unfamiliar <clears throat> with, uh, with what's uh, been going on in, in this book so far, and, and we'll kind of talk about some of the lessons we learned through our first few studies and then we'll apply what we learned today in Galatians chapter 5 to some things that, uh, you know, we can do, I suppose, in our day-to-day lives or some things that we need to think about at the least. Oh, I might have to stop and get a drink of water. We had singing Sunday today. Let me tell you, Sunday afternoon preaching after singing Sunday is not a, not a fun gig. <clears throat> uh, we're going to have most of, uh, most of our reading we'll need to do from from a pew Bible, uh, I've got a few verses that we'll have here on the on the slides. But most of the most of the reading we're going to do today is just going to be from out of your out of your pew Bible. In Galatians chapter one and verse number six, Paul uh, says there to the Galatians, "I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel." And so we know that. The Galatians were having some problems here. The Galatians were having, having trouble being pulled into some other teachings that weren't from Christ. And we remember from the studies we've done so far that what that was, was it was maybe some former Jewish Christians or maybe some people who hadn't accepted Christ that were Jews and they're trying to pull the Galatians back into the old law. And so what we have in Galatia is we have some former Jews who have been converted to Christianity. We have some former Gentiles that have been converted to Christianity. And then we probably have some of both Gentiles and Jews that are all mixed in there in one big melting pot in Galatia. And so what's been so easy for me, we can read through Galatians and we go, oh yeah, I get it, that makes sense, I understand that. But it's been so much better for me whenever I stop every once in a while and I remember the lens in which Paul is having to, to teach and to preach to the Galatians through. If we remember the problems and the struggles that they were having, to me that makes the, makes the lessons a little bit more understandable, I suppose. And so in chapter 3, where is where I started. For some reason I started a, sta- a chapter study in the middle of a book, but we, we studied in chapter 3 where the final of that chapter is, or very towards the end of that chapter is verse number 27 where Paul tells him, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And so Paul goes through these whole, uh, two at least of the first three chapters are really all about teaching them and admonishing the Galatians not to slip back into those old teachings, into Moses' law. And the big, the big theme is you need to focus on your faith in Christ now. And so that's really what's, what's going on in Galatia. In chapter 4, which is what we studied last time, of course, there was some more of the same. We didn't study that entire chapter, probably just about three quarters of it. But one of, the, one of the cool things there is that Paul says the reason that he was there teaching to the Galatians, the reason he had opportunity with them is because of some bodily injury that he had. And we speculated on that, what that could have been. We don't know for sure, but in Acts chapter 14, Paul talks about being stoned at Iconium, which is in the same neighborhood, basically. And so we speculate that's, if that's not what 
the bodily injury that Paul endured sending him to this church, it gives us an idea of what Paul could have been going through. Paul was beat up a lot. Paul, uh, you know, was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul was stoned. Paul was whipped. Paul, Paul went through a lot to teach the gospel. The big lesson, the big takeaway that we took from chapter 4 was love, which was not really the teaching that Paul was giving to the Galatians, but that's what I took from it most. Paul was there after he'd been stoned in a neighboring city or somewhere nearby, and he shows up there and he starts teaching to them. He didn't care. He could have been stoned again, and he was, he was fully ready to accept that. Furthermore, the Galatians loved him. They could have very easily gone, Hey, we heard you're the guy that they stoned in Iconium. You know, we don't want any trouble here. Just leave us alone. And that's not what happened. Paul loved the Galatians so much, and the reason I'm going a little bit deeper into this from last time is because it's part of our lesson still in chapter 5, more directly. Paul loved those Galatians so much. He knew that he could have been murdered or stoned or beaten up at any time, and yet he chose to continue and go and teach and preach to them and try to help them. The Galatians loved Paul. Paul said that, uh, in the famous verse from chapter 4, I guess, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? He was having to tell them some, some difficult things for them to hear and having to rebuke the Galatians. And he says, it was just a while ago that you would literally have pulled your eye out and given it to me if I needed it. The Galatians love Paul as well. A little bit more directly in chapter 5, Paul talks about love. And so that's one of our lessons today. Another overarching theme of course is because Paul is teaching them and admonishing them to follow Christ and to not slip back into that old law Paul does a lot of I guess self-reflection type teaching to the Galatians and so we're going to ask the question today do you belong to God are you one that belongs to God if we remember in chapter 4 one of our big takeaways there was where Paul says uh, that I know you know God but you want to be known by God rather than you know God we can know God all day long, but unless God knows us, it's not going to do us any good. So let's pick up in, in chapter 5, verse number 1. There's 26 verses in this chapter. We'll read them. It's not going to, not going to take all afternoon to read through these 26 verses. Uh, some of it we'll read through, and it's pretty self-explanatory. We won't have to stop every sentence or two and, and make application. It's pretty understood that the verse 1 goes with chapter 4 makes very much a lot of sense that it goes with chapter 4 but we're going to read that anyway where it says uh, where Paul says to the Galatians stand therefore stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage one of the big lessons last time was about being an adopted son of God and then Paul starts in chapter 5 by saying behold I Paul say unto you that if you be circumcised Christ shall profit you nothing for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And so we see here Paul starts talking about circumcision, which would have been a much more hot topic in the day and at this time frame. We know that circumcision it was something that was taught in, in the old law. And we've got to remember now that there are these uh, Judaizers, I've heard them called, 
these Jewish Christians or, or Jews who are coming in and trying to convince them they need to obey the, the old law. And so one of the things they would have been teaching or trying to pull the Christians back into would be circumcision. And Paul says here in verse number 6, he says, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. He says, Christ don't care if you're, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not. The problem was that these Judaizers were preaching that you had to be circumcised, that it was a requirement in order to be a child of God. And Paul knows that that's not true. And that was a big thing that he was battling there. And you go, well, why, why is that so important? And it's because of what Paul says in verse number 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Is Paul saying that if you're circumcised, you have, you're a debtor to do the whole old law? No. But if, if that's why you're doing it, if you're doing it as to, to prove your merits of the old law, well, then you're a debtor to do the whole law. You see, circumcision is just the topic that Paul chose to talk about here. Paul could have talked about any number of laws that were in that old law, couldn't he? And the exact same thing would have applied. In the old law, there were 600-something laws. Dad may know a little bit closer there. There were closer... I'm, uh, he's sign language to me, but there were a lot of them. And see, Paul could have chosen any of those to talk about here. He chose circumcision because it's more of a hot topic of the day. Under the old law, if you were a man who had a beard, it had to be cut off square. And I suppose Paul could have said that. If you're going to cut off your beard square and, and preach and teach that that's by merit of the law, of the old law, then you're a debtor to keep the whole law. There was some obscure laws such as having a fence built around the top of your house and I suppose Paul could have chosen that and said if you want to preach that that is how you are obedient to God, then you're a debtor to do the whole law. And I think that's important today for us. He's, he's really laying it on thick. This is five chapters deep of Paul talking about this and he's still having to say, if you're going to do this, Christ profits you nothing. What was the point of Christ if, you, if you're just going to revert back into the old law? Okay, let's look at verse number 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And if I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they were even cut off which trouble you. He says those people that are troubling, those people that are trying to pull you back into the Moses law, I wish they were cut off. I wish they were gone. I wish they weren't an issue that you're having to deal with. He says in verse 7, who, who's do you know, you, you were doing so well. You, ran, you did run well. That means you were doing so well. Everything was going good for you. And then these people came along. And they've really hindered you. He says, this persuasion cometh not of him. that It's not from God. God's not teaching these things. This is man now that's coming in and, and pulling you away from Christ. 
And one of our big lessons that we're going to take away from later, so we won't go too deep into it, is verse number 9. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. I think we all understand what that means. I'll say we'll talk about it some more later. But it seems like an interesting place to put that, doesn't it? A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. What he's saying is, you think you can withstand them. You think that them coming around and, and preaching circumcision or whatever other false doctrine they're teaching now is not going to affect you, but a little bit of that goes a long ways. And he says that those people will soon bear their judgment. He says in verse 13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye buy and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Imagine Paul's frustrations with the Galatians now. Not only are they having all this trouble from the outside of the church coming in, and now he's having to worry about them having trouble from within the church. Look, love one another. Quit, quit fighting. It's getting into the church. If we remember in Acts chapter 14, the similar instance at Iconium, where Paul was stoned, what happened was the, uh, the, the Gentiles and the Jews got together, and they finally decided, hey, we both want to stone this guy. He's trying to keep things like that from happening here. You need to love one another. He talks about uh, using not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And I think we'll find out in the next few verses that they were having some problems with some fleshly lust and problems. And he's saying, if you'll love one another, you won't do this to each other. Take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Paul is telling them they need to abstain these, these problems of which we're about to, he's about to give the laundry list of sins here. Abstain from these problems. If you're walking in the spirit, you're not doing these things. If you want to walk in the Spirit, you can't do these things. If you want to have Christ, you cannot do these things. He says he knows how hard it is. He knows how difficult it is. Part of what Kenneth talked about this morning, he read verse number 17 in his study today. The things that you want to do, you find yourself not doing them. It's, it's difficult. It's a problem. It makes a lot more sense when you remember what he just said. A little leaven, leaven at the whole. A little bit of an issue is going to go a long ways. If you let a little bit of sin into your life, it's going to be hard. To get it out. And then he, uh, <clears throat> he lists them out in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. And what that means there is that they're obvious. The works of the flesh are obvious. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before... As I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He says that these things are obvious. And these are what is going to come, get on the inside of their, uh, between them, between the church here, in the congregation. It's going to destroy them if they allow it to get within. I don't know that they were partaking in all these particular sins, but 
it's interesting that these are the ones he lists. He says these are obvious. The works of the flesh. If you would love one another, you're not going to fornicate with one another or with your friend's spouse. You're not going to hate them. You're not going to murder them. You're not going to be fighting with them. You're not going to envy your, your brother or your sister if you love them. That's why one of our big, big lessons from today is love. He says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I think that's interesting language. We have to remember again the, the problem that's going on here. We have to remember what's going on. He's trying to, he's, he's using the old law against them now. Against such there is no law. They're, they're worried about being obedient to Moses' law. Here he says there's, there's no law against these things. Love one another. Be long-suffering towards one another. Be good to one another. Have faith in Christ. He says in verse, the last three verses there, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. 20, verse 25 to me is King James and Paul's way of saying, if you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. That's what that seems like to me. If you want to live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so that is chapter 5 of Galatians. And so Paul moves around a little bit more in, in chapter 5 than he did in the previous two chapters, or several chapters we've, that we've studied. In the, in the first few chapters, he really focuses on, on talking about why the old law is done away with, and that, that Christ came to fulfill the faith that Abraham had, and how we need to have faith in Christ that will be a joint heir, that will receive the promise because of our faith, just like Abraham did. So I want to look at these two lessons, love, and I want to ask the question, do you belong to Christ, as we go ahead and wrap up our study this afternoon. Love was kind of an inadvertent uh, theme through chapter 4. And we've already talked about that a little bit and as I kind of opened our sermon today. Where Paul says, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Paul tells them that he was there because he got beat up and they took care of him and they, they tended to his wounds. He said that if he had needed their eye, they would have plucked out their own eye. If we remember, probably the coolest verse in that chapter was where Paul said he was having such trouble, such emotional and, and even to the point of physical pain whenever they had spiritual problems. And he said he was dealing with the pain like a woman would experience in childbirth, seeing the problems that the Galatians had. He loved them. And now he teaches that again in chapter 5. Throughout all of Galatians, I've noticed Paul drops subtle hints. When he's not swinging the hammer really hard, he drops subtle hints about how the old law is done away with and they need to focus on their faith in Christ. For in Jesus Christ, neither, circum, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. He starts talking about love here. And later on 
in the chapter, he says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I made a, a claim last time, and I, I believe it to be true whether I like it or not, but the Galatians love Paul more than we love each other. Paul loved the Galatians more than we love each other. They showed an incredible amount of love for one another. He'd have, he'd have given his eye for them, or they would have given their eye for Paul, and Paul was experiencing pain of childbirth at their troubles. And to see that love in them, and then here in chapter 5, Paul's still having to tell them, if you really loved each other, you wouldn't be doing these things. If you really loved each other, you wouldn't be committing adultery with your friend's spouse. If you really loved each other, you wouldn't be hating each other. There wouldn't be problems from within. And he tells them later, the fruit of the Spirit is love. If you want to be a productive Christian today, you've got to love each other. And I think if, if the Galatians who were ready to give their eye to Paul could, could use this reminder, then we can too. That we need to love each other. I haven't even came close to giving my eye to anyone. Not lately. I suppose I could use this reminder. We need to love each other a lot more. Paul was obviously in a pretty, pretty tough situation. Uh, probably broken bones. I'm assuming very bloody, black eye, beaten up pretty bad. I think Paul's telling us about some spiritual problems. Yeah, we need to be there for each other when we have physical ailments or physical problems. But I think the bigger picture here is: Are we there for each other spiritually? Are we there to pick each other up and help each other when you spiritually have that black eye or broken bone or? Whatever it is. And then he doesn't say the word love here, but there are the last verse of the chapter. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. Let us not envy one another, provoke one another. He's still talking about why they need to, ways they can love each other. Don't envy one another. Don't desire vainglory. <clears throat> okay, moving on. The question, do you belong to Christ? Uh, this question in other ways has come up in the book of Galatians already. Now I have to remember that Paul is, is challenging the Galatians, I guess, in some ways because they were trying to be pulled back into that old law. But the lessons are still the same for us. Remember in chapter 3 where Paul says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Paul starts out kind of through, throughout the chapters telling them how they can become in Christ. Tells them, if you want to belong to Christ, the first thing you have to do is be baptized. If you want to put on Christ, if you want to have Christ, if you want to even attempt to have faith in Christ, you need to be baptized into Christ. And he tells them later some other things. Once you're baptized, uh, that's not the end, of the end of the discussion, I guess so to say. He says, you can know God all you want, but God has to know you. And, he tell, and that's part of them slipping back into the old law. But here in chapter 5, he says several things that I think are really interesting. And one of the big ones there is that, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. And I'm going to talk about that uh, just briefly for the remainder of our study. There's some other things that, that Paul says that I think are worth mention of, and we're going to read those as well. He sprinkles this kind of language all throughout the chapter. 
Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. What, what the Galatians failed to see was that if they wanted to go back and try to uphold Moses' law, if they wanted to find, feel good about themselves by their merits and their ability to perform the old law, they could do that. But Paul was trying to get them to see was that's a yoke of bondage. It's, it's slavery is what it is. He's trying to get them, they need to stand fast in Christ. They need to have faith in Christ. I think the lesson for us today that we would take from that is maybe you're not struggling with being pulled into Moses' law this afternoon. I doubt it and I hope not. But for us, it's being pulled back into some former sin that we dealt with maybe. Something that once gave you trouble. And I suppose if Paul had the chance to tell somebody who had dealt with sin in the past like we all have, he'd say, don't, don't slide back into that. Don't be entangled again with that yoke of bondage. That's the lesson we usually take whenever somebody reads this verse as we apply it then to sin. And Paul says by doing that, you have to walk in the Spirit. He says that in verse number 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's as easy as that, I guess. If we walk in the Spirit, we won't, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I suppose at times it's not that easy, and it sounds easy when Paul says that, but he tells us it's more difficult than that. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, that you cannot do the things you would. The things you want to do, you can't do them, because the Spirit... The flesh is fighting against the spirit. The example that Matt's used a few times over the years of the two wolves or dogs, I can't remember what they are, they're fighting, and whichever one you feed the most is whichever is going to win that fight. I think this is kind of what, what Paul's talking about here. We live in a time now when we may not be pulled this way by Judaizers and pulled this way by Christ, but maybe it's sin and righteousness that's pulling you today maybe it's a problem with some sin you've dealt with in the past that's pulling you this way and maybe it's Christ that's pulling you the other way so how, how can we walk in the spirit and I think Paul gives the Galatians some tips on how to do that throughout the rest of the chapter and, and some things he said previously I think one of the first things there that, that he commends the Galatians to do is to be productive And I think he shows that by the fruits of the Spirit. The big thing he tells them is that if you want to be, if you continue to lust after the flesh, you, you cannot live in the Spirit. You cannot be led by the Spirit. You cannot uh, fulfill uh, the teachings of Christ. But he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You don't want to lust after the flesh. You want to do away with the problems and the sins that are in your life today. Well, focus on the fruits of the Spirit. Focus on, your, on loving one another. Focus on keeping the peace. Focus on being long-suffering in the difficult things in your life. Focus on being good and faithful, being meek and being temperate, being patient. He tells them there's no law against these things. You want to walk in the Spirit, you're going to have to do these things. 
You want to belong to Christ today, you're going to have to do these things. There are certainly some other steps and some other things we could talk about, but uh, this is what Paul told the Galatians in chapter 5. I'm trying to, trying to stick to it best I can. And then the one we kind of started this point with is in verse 24. And they that, are in, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. He says it's not just not sinning. It's not just staying away from sin. While that's incredibly important, he says those that are in Christ, that are truly in Christ, that truly belong to Christ, that are truly heirs with Christ, that he talked about in chapter 4, not only do they not sin... Or they try, they stay away from sin. They have crucified the flesh. They didn't, they didn't put it over there in the corner and try to not look at it or be near it. He says that those are Christ. They crucified the flesh. They killed it. They put it away, never to return again. He says if you want to be Christ today, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to make that commitment. Doesn't mean you're never going to commit a sin again. Doesn't mean you're never going to deal with those problems again make the commitment today to crucify the flesh to put it away never to be seen again this is a direct analogy or metaphor being used to to mirror Christ being crucified on the cross and and destroying sin you want to put away the flesh and the affections and the lust that come with it crucify it kill it spiritually and I guess metaphorically nail it to the cross then finally here in verse number 9 where he says that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump this is probably the biggest thing I I took away from from Galatians chapter 5 a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump we have to remember the problem that's going on in here, here in Galatia. Uh, there's these Judaizers that are trying to pull the Christians back into the old law. I hope you've got that by now. I've said that a few times. I hope we remember that the trouble that was going on with them. And Paul says that a little bit of them gnawing at you, a little bit of them trying to convince you, a little bit of them teaching to you, whenever you're at, out doing your day-to-day job or whenever you're out at work or whenever it's a family member that comes over or whatever it is, It's going to go a long ways. You think you're strong enough to deal with it. You think you can handle it. But a little bit goes a long, long ways. A lesson for us is maybe not somebody trying to pull us away from Christ and into some other religion, but it's the same as what we've been talking about. Maybe it's that old pet sin. And just a little bit of that can go a long ways. You know, I went on a stretch uh, over the last few years where I didn't drink a soda pop for two years. And it wasn't that, e- it wasn't that easy at first. And then it got really easy. It, wasn't, it really just wasn't a big deal. I just didn't drink it. It didn't ever tempt me. I didn't want it. And then Hallie came along. And Caressa told her about a Sprite peach vanilla cream uh, drink at Sonic. And she got one. I'll try it. So I tried literally one drink. I thought, man, that's good. <laughs> that was pretty good. And then the next time, I, I tried it again, a few, a few more sips this time. And by the third time we went, I ordered one myself. 
I hadn't done that in two years. A little bit went a long ways for me. I, I didn't care nothing about that. I drank one, it opened up the door a little, a little bit more. And next thing you know, I ordered one 10 times in a row whenever we went. It's, a, a, I guess, a silly example, but that's the best thing I thought of for me. How, how easy it was for a little bit to push its way in. And we understand this is what's often talked about in baking or in bread. A little bit of leaven goes a long way. I know a lot of you ladies have, have baked things. I've done a little baking myself. And it doesn't take a lot of yeast in, in some big mixture of flour to make that dough rise. I can't remember. I, I made some cinnamon rolls a couple years ago, and it was like six or eight cups of flour and one tablespoon of yeast. A little bit makes that whole thing rise. A little bit will leaven the whole lump. A little bit goes a long ways. It says, you were doing so well. Who, who came in? Who destroyed all this progress? Who came in and hindered you from obeying the truth? This isn't from Christ. Don't be deceived. A little bit of this goes a long ways. So I guess the question we have to ask is, have we allowed some outside influences outside of Christ into our life in, in one way or another. Maybe in that old sin, maybe in some other way, I'm not sure. I think that's our lesson from this today. Because it doesn't take much. And then we're right back where we didn't want to be. Maybe into some situation we never were even desired to be in. We weren't ever tempted in. Or something we hadn't been tempted in in years. If we let a little bit of that in, it goes a long ways. Paul also talked about this earlier before Galatians whenever he talked to the Corinthians in chapter 5. He says, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, there, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul tells us what to do. And it may seem easier said than done. Paul says, a little leaven leaves the whole lump. What do you do? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. You know, he likens this back to a reading in Exodus chapter 12. If you'd like to uh, peek over there and, and look at that real quick. It's just one verse I want to read. Speaking uh, of the Passover, on the night of the Passover, seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day unto the seventh, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Paul's using this because it's something they know about. It's something that used to be done on Passover. During the Passover, it wasn't that just that you ate unleavened bread. What was told of them? That's like chapter, or verse number 5 of chapter 12, I think. It says, not only are you not going to eat, eat leavened bread, get rid of all the leavening in your house. That's right. If there's a loaf of bread in the cabinet, go get it and throw it out of the house. Whatever there is that's, that's leavened, get, get rid of it. Purge it. Throw it away. Throw it in the garbage. Burn it. Bury it. 
destroy it. And I think that's what Paul means here. I think that's what Paul's going back to. Purge out therefore the old leaven. Throw it out. Get it away. Bury it. Burn it. Destroy it. And if it's that sin that you're dealing with in your life, that's the attitude that we have to have. Bury it. Burn it. Destroy it. Cut it off. Throw it out. It's not only that we're going to go put it in the cupboard that we don't ever go in and we're just going to put it out of sight. Out of, no, it's destroy it. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Is there any leaven in your house today? Have we left any doors open? This reminds me of one of the studies we had in Romans from a while back. To not give occasion to the flesh. Not even, don't give it a chance. I suppose if I told you all today, go home and there can't be any leavened bread or any leavened food in your house. Or else you're not going to heaven. It'd be a clean out party. Let me tell you, if it were that serious, I promise there wouldn't be nothing left in your house, would there? You'd get it all out. You wouldn't leave it to chance that there might be something left. You wouldn't leave it to chance that I wasn't serious. You wouldn't be so tempted by eating some snack or some Sister Schubert rolls for next week. You'd throw it out. And we have to treat the sin in our life the same way. Purge it. Cut it off. Destroy it. Throw it out. No kind of leaven. Not neither the leaven of malice and wickedness. But what you need to do is you need to live your life in sincerity and truth. That word sincerity there means purity. Be pure. There's nothing left. There's not a chance that there's anything unpure. There's not a chance that any of the bread you got in your house has leavener in it. Not a chance. Live a pure and true life. I hope this has been helpful for you. It's, it's kind of been interesting. It's not where I expected the chapter to go and I really appreciate how deep this can get in, in talking about getting that sin out of your life. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.